Karen Garrahy, and you're listening to The Laughs of Your Life, the podcast where I talk to influential people about laughter. From their first memories of laughter, to feeling laughed at, to a time where they had the last laugh. That'll be the news from this podcast. <laughs> Claire Byrne gave up the television so she could watch Selling Sunset and Selling the OC, and we're there might be another one coming. She might give up something else to watch another one. Yes, RTE current affairs queen and host of Today with Claire Byrne is my guest this week. She talked to me about her ultimate midnight feast with added Dumbelievables on VHS, her Netflix binge fest Guilty Pleasure, and what she misses about CB Live, which she gave up earlier this year. I'm so delighted to tell you that this season of The Laughs of Your Life is once again brought to you by FNF Fashion at Tesco. Pop in for the weekly shop and step out in style with a new wardrobe this autumn winter. I'm going for it. I'm doing it. I'm going to say the C word. Yes. Christmas is on the horizon and whether we like it or not, it's on its way thick and fast. Soon enough, we'll all be motoring around at 100 miles an hour making festive plans and in the midst of all the madness, it's just so handy to have a one-stop shop like FNF at Tesco for all things fashionable, gorgeous and glam. You might not be in the frame of mind for it all just yet, but as someone who had an extremely tame Christmas last year, it cannot come quick enough. If I spot an FNF jumper or top or jacket that even has a hint of sparkle, it's going in the trolley. And now for my chat with Claire Byrne. I hope you enjoy. Claire Byrne. You are extremely welcome to the laughs of your life. Thank you very much. Thought you'd never ask me. <laughs> well, actually, you, you've been on my list for a very long time. And we have been over and back in fairness. We have. And we finally got here at the famous black table. The famous black table. And the interviewer becomes the interviewee. Are you comfortable over there? No, no. I, I really don't like being this side of things. Do you not? And I think people think maybe that I do or I would. It's just, yeah, not comfortable here at all. Want to be over there. Yeah. You know? I okay. mean, I don't know if you're like that as well. I just, it's just, yeah. yeah. Not used to it. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Well, because of that, I very much appreciate you agreeing to do this. And I'm so delighted we have finally got the chance to sit down. Did you do your homework? I feel like that's a stupid question. You're Claire Byrne. Of course you did your homework. I, I did a bit. I mean, you can't really do your homework for this. You just have to do a bit of thinking. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And sometimes with thinking, like especially when you're thinking about things like your first memory of laughter laughter you just get this blamange of of memories and I actually started questioning whether they were my memories or my siblings memories okay because I'm really good at that at like taking other people's stories and making them mine because and I come from a family of six and the three older ones there was a five-year gap between me and them so I have this memory of us having our tea and being told to eat your tea and you know whatever knuckle down sort of thing now, hang on is this your first memory of laughter it kind of is. Or yeah. diving into it. No, it kind of is. Okay, right? okay, right. And But it's, I, I'm explaining how I think that I'm stealing stuff. Gotcha. And I remember somebody bursting out laughing, my sister Fiona, and tea spraying up the wall, right? And then everybody cracked up and my mother just couldn't keep it up. Blah, very funny. But I don't know, is that my memory? I think I have stolen that. That you know? story. Well, look, we'll dive right in. See yeah. how we go. Yeah. And I think we'll have a fabulous time. Claire Byrne, your first... Your first memory of laughter, please. Well, I, I think it's that one. Like, I do think it's the tea spraying off the wall. But I bet when my siblings listen to this, they'll go, she wasn't there. Either I wasn't there or I wasn't big enough to be able to remember to that. remember, okay. Yeah. But apart from that, I suppose, growing up in a house with so many children, you know, yeah. six of us, we just had great crack, you know, from like we would dress up animals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
yeah. We'd put baby clothes on animals. We'd do plays. Real animals? Oh, yeah, real animals, yeah. Dogs like and cats. Oh, right. Just like little, little, put little suits on them, you know, for entertainment. They didn't mind. Uh, I don't think they minded anyway. <laughs> and then I had two younger sisters. So I was explaining to you how there's the five-year gap between me and the three older ones. And yes. then there's a five-year gap. And there's my two younger sisters. So they were into performing probably reluctantly one of them reluctantly one of them wanted to do it and I would sort of (laughs) direct them (laughs) come up with the script in fact I have a notebook where I have a script for a play about Dracula like a child's (laughs) version of Dracula and I would have like Eileen says this line and says this line (laughs) and and then it was all very serious you know it was a proper this was a proper stage play and then we put it on for the rest of the family and everyone just ends up creased up laughing going (laughs) where did these three people come from, you know? <laughs> but I suppose what I'm getting at is that it was it was great crack, you know, and my father had a great sense of humour and sometimes when people would visit, we'd have the sniggers behind the visitor's back. I shouldn't say that, I'm going to get in so much, I'm going to get in so much trouble, aren't I? <laughs> That's fine! We were, we were good at that. And then afterwards, we'd all do our best impression of the visitor who'd love just it. been. I love you know? that. If you don't do impressions of the neighbours, is there any crack in the household? I don't think Listen, so. Listen, that was, yeah, I, I have great <laughs> memories of that, you know, particularly the ones who were really good they thought of telling stories. I right. Mean, we would still do it to this day. We'd go back to 30 years ago, Mrs. <laughs> telling the story about Mr. <laughs> <laughs> Will they be able to identify themselves if they listen to this? Yeah, probably. Probably. <laughs> probably. That's the danger, isn't it? That's the danger. Would you say you were bossy then, just with that story of you directing and... Um, now, you, probably my sisters would have something to say about that. I don't think I was really. I don't think I was. I think I, you know, rubbed along nicely with both sides of the family. Okay. You know? My brother was the next one up from me and we had great crack together going on Famous Five, but there were two of us type adventures, you know, like <laughs> crawling across the bog, climbing trees, just, you know, all that wholesome stuff. Yeah. And then the other two, the two younger ones, I probably was bossy to them. Okay. Like there's no way I couldn't have been. I was five years older than them. You know, I had been the youngest for so long. They came along. My job was to boss them around. You have you know? to. You yeah, have to. still is probably. Was your mum driven demented with the six? Um, no. She's a very calm woman. A grand calm woman. <laughs> Always was actually, you know, uh, I don't really remember her losing her temper that much. Really? You know, she was quite good at keeping everything ticking along without having to get very cross, which I think is the sign of a killer, actually. Yeah. <laughs> no, probably like she's like a mafia boss. You just, you know, you know where the lines are and you, yes. don't, you don't stray outside the lines. You don't want to know what's going to happen if you stray outside the lines. OK, so you just do your thing. So calm, cool, but with the eyes of a killer. OK. <laughs> She's the best way to parent, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Claire, the first time you felt laughed at, can you recall? Um, many times, many, many times, particularly doing this, this career, this job that I've chosen for some bizarre reason. But one of the first things that comes to my mind is driving to a garage, holding on to my car door because it wouldn't close or open <clears throat> and having to go into the man in the garage, because it was a man, and say to him, I have a problem with my car because a tree has taken the door off. And then I had to go into this big explanation. So I was leaving my house. I'd forgotten something. I went, oh, got out of the car, ran back into the house, forgot to put the handbrake on. The car rolls back. The door of the car gets caught on a tree. No. And and came off. Fully? Yeah. Well, no, no, not fully. Like it was hanging, hanging off. <laughs> right. right. And so I, I drove to the garage like holding on to the door and then he go in and you say what happened oh just a tree a tree you know no didn't do the handbrake thing then I had to go into work and explain why I was 
late for work. Where were you working at the time? Uh, TV3. <laughs> TV3, where all my finest moments were and like the broadcasting ones where everybody was laughing at me. Most of those happened at TV3. Sorry, TV3, now Virgin. <laughs> Can we go back for one second? Because at what point, what age, what stage of life did you decide or know that you wanted to go into broadcasting in whatever form that was going to take, whether it was radio or TV? I was very young um, and I, I, I could never pin down why I made that decision. But I know that when I was oh, probably about seven or eight, I was pretending to read the news at home okay. with a cardboard box over my head with the front taken out of it. So yeah. it was back that far. And then the whole way through secondary school in particular, I was saying to teachers, I want to do this thing. I don't want to do anything else. Don't make me study science. I don't want to do science. How naive was I? Everybody needs science. I realize that now. My children, you're going to do science. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> and I made a good case. Like They let me drop my science subject. Stop. Amazing. And then I had a really good English teacher who said, yes, I believe you and got me work experience in the local newspaper. And I went in and annoyed them for a while. And yeah, the path was set kind of really early on, you know. I love when people have a teacher like that. I think everyone has maybe one that had an effect on them that made them go. And whether it was a teacher that actually wasn't very kind to them and that made them, gave them drive to do something or a teacher like that who encouraged you. Yeah, you- no, she 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 definitely encouraged me, you know, definitely encouraged me. It was her saying to me, I believe that you can do this thing. OK. And setting me on that path. And she was the one who got me involved in in debating competitions. There was one debating competition which was about whether the West should influence the developing world and their birth rates. Right. Yeah. Controversial topic. But one of the lines that I had to deliver, we were debating a boys school. I had to stand up with a pair of scissors and say, how would you feel if somebody tried to influence your fertility? I didn't really know what I was doing. With the scissors? Yeah. Like when I think back on it now, I go, what was that? <laughs> like it was very effective and I got a laugh and we won the debate. But now <laughs> you didn't know what you were doing. I didn't really. But I did it anyway. <laughs> you did it for the cause. Yeah. Oh my God, I love it. Yeah. And so did you know then that radio and TV would be, or did you know, you knew that you wanted to eventually study in that area? Yes. Yes, I did. Um, I was very focused on that. I wasn't sure whether it was broadcast, to be honest with you, when I was starting off. I wanted to be a foreign correspondent. Yes. And, you know, do fancy things. Um, writing mostly. And then I went to the College of Commerce in Rathmines after a year in UCD, which didn't work out for me very well, not because of UCD, but just because I was doing the wrong course. Okay. And also I was kind of scared in UCD. Like I came from a very small school convent school in Leash and I went into this lecture theatre where there were 500 people yeah. that was more than there were in my entire school it's so daunting and were you sociable um no I think I was quite shy okay you know like school for me was not a bit of a breeze but it was you know I mentioned the debating and I just felt very comfortable okay you know and you have that support from your teachers and you sort of expect that everything's going to go swimmingly for you. And then I went to college and thought, oh, this isn't that easy anymore, you know? Yeah. I remember walking into the library in UCD feeling really, really nervous and anxious, which wasn't like me at all, but I was just... I can actually, I can fully relate to that. I was the same in school, kind of sailed through it in that way. Like it wasn't scary for me, but as soon as I went to college, yeah, I just found really it so frightening. Big. Yeah. And even like... Lectures, of course, that was scary, but even like tutorials where there'd be 14 of you, say, in a circle and you to give your opinions on things. Oh, terrified. Terrifying. Really scared. Yeah, really scared. And I remember one of the lectures that I uh, went to or one of the my courses was delivered by Brian Farrell, who used to present primetime. Yeah. Like, 
this was just this for me was a big hero you know yeah. myself and my parents would sit down and watch Brian Farrell at half nine on on a Tuesday and Thursday night and here he was delivering this lecture of course I was late the lecture theatre was full and he saw me coming down the steps looking for a seat and he went I have a seat for you down the front I was like, <gasps> couldn't speak couldn't move all of that was really really daunting I mean it was a privilege to see him lecturing but for me it was frightening the whole thing was frightening so left that and then went to the course that I wanted to do which was at the time the journalism course in Rathmines was the only one and they brought us into the radio studio to do um, movie reviews talk about laughing inappropriately like we just we were like babies just couldn't stop laughing <laughs> and um, but the minute I got behind the mic I realised that that was what I wanted to do. Love it. That was it. Broadcast all the way from that moment on, really. Claire, the moment when if you didn't laugh, you'd cry. This is another car story. (laughs) I have a lot of car stories. (laughs) Well, I lived in Jersey in the Channel Islands for a while, about four years. Wow. I was a a journalist over there. Yeah, it was great. It was was a great life experience. But I uh, bought my first car over there and uh, it was a a hovercraft. (laughs) No, it's a really old Fiesta. It was two hundred and fifty pounds. I'll tell you, it was red, and I I loved it so much. And everyone kind of laughed at me even before this incident because, you know, in in England and in Jersey, they get their driving licenses really early. Now maybe they do here now, but at the time in Ireland, you wouldn't dream really of doing your test (laughs) until you were in your twenties. Yeah. So I think I was almost twenty one when I got my driving license, and I remember going in. I was covering the courts that morning, and I went in and sat in in the courts, and I got my driving test to all the reporters, and they were like, "What age are you?" You know, they were just (laughs) disgusted that I was a working person, and I I'd only just got my driving license. Anyway, got this car, this Fiesta. Loved it, loved it. I used to go for drives, you know, like like a Sunday drive, yeah, on a Tuesday, (laughs) and pretend you're in a movie, yeah. (laughs) And um, one day was really warm, had the windows down, and I had. The Dixie Chicks in the, They're not called the Dixie Chicks anymore But they were at the time mm. There's Your Trouble That was the song And I was singing it At the top of my voice Like I was doing um, Car dancing and everything Like I was delighted with myself And then I realised That I had the windows down And I was stopped At a really busy junction And there were all these people At the Oh the pain of this Standing waiting to cross the road breaking themselves laughing because I'm not the best singer and I was it was the top of my voice with the dancing included in the hovercraft red fiesta car um, and I could not wait for those lights to change and actually I'm actually going red as I think about it it was the most embarrassing I, I was lost in the moment I think you looked cool of car freedom no it was desperate like I was Belting it out, <laughs> belting it out, looked up and they're all staring in, just going, what? Did you forget the windows on? were down? Oh yeah, completely, yeah, completely. <laughs> and I think the hovercraft was so leaky that if I didn't, if I had the windows up, they it wouldn't have anyway. mattered. <laughs> wouldn't have mattered anyway. Would, would you be easily embarrassed? Yeah, I am quite, yeah. I'm quite shy, you know. Yeah. It's that I'm kind weird. Of, I'm, not, I'm kind of gathering that now. Yeah, I'm quite shy. I'm, uh, yeah. Work is one thing, but yeah. in my life, I'm probably quite shy. And I'm not mad about attention. I just... Yeah. Are you... Do you like your own time? Do you like being at home? Love it. To love it. Yeah, I know. Love it. I know. I love like it. That. Yeah. Yeah. I love home time. Like, my weekends are very quiet. Yeah. But you, but you live for it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. What's the ideal weekend for you now? So if you clock off on a Friday from the radio? Um, <clears throat> well... We do children's stuff, yeah. like a lot of children's stuff, you yeah. know, and we're rushing around. There's GAA and there's Irish dancing. 
I don't know why I'm laughing. We've just started the Irish dancing thing, right? How's it I going? I didn't do Irish dancing when I was a child, but we went in the other day and there were children who were getting ready for a competition the next day and they were putting um, the, the hair weeks. pieces on them. And I just don't know if I'm ready for that. <laughs> it's a lot. The tan and the makeup the and the, yeah. So I'm, I, every time I collect them, I say, you don't, thankfully you don't really like the Irish dance. <laughs> oh no, we do. We do. We love it. Oh, God. So I've got to limber up for the old curling tongs and all that. The dresses. Yeah. So yeah, it's busy. It's busy child wise. And yes. they always have a birthday party or something to go to. But I love when I'm coming into a weekend and this is going to sound really sad and I've lined up something really good to watch yes like I love that I'm that's I'm happy once I'm there and that's why I love when this time of year hits because you don't feel yeah yeah. but also you don't feel guilty about not going out and enjoying the the bride evenings you can just cozy up yeah I'm betting the the latest season of the Kardashians and I've no shame about it oh listen I I was put on to (laughs) selling sunset last season and I went back to season four and I have no shame (laughs) absolutely no shame and I'm looking forward to the next one okay yeah you need you need to go on to um selling OC Oh no, I've seen it. Oh, you see? Yeah, yeah. No, you needn't worry. I'm all over it now. I know them all intimately, and I follow their lives on Instagram as well. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm all over it. Chriselle and her new partner. Yeah. yeah. No, it's all going great. Anything you need to know, dear. I have. I have it all. We'll do a pop quiz afterwards. Yeah. Okay, Claire. We're gonna have. To, we're gonna get a little bit more serious now. Okay. So your no laughing matter moment in life. Can you recall where there was a time, no room for laughter? Oh well, look. I'm I. I have things ready to tell you because I've thought about all of this and I said to myself, I'm not going to talk about my dad uh, who died in last year. But it's the only thing really that comes to my mind, you know, when we're having this conversation. So he died last June and he was 86 and he'd had a great life. But we were sort of in denial about him, you know, and about the fact that he was going to go. And so when it happened, it was a big shock to all of us. Um... And I say no laughing matter, but the week leading up to his death, he was at home with us and we were all back home again. So my mother and my five siblings and we had the best week, the worst week and the best week, if that makes sense. So it was really sad and it was really difficult, but it was lovely. Like it was lovely to have him home and it was lovely to be back with everybody. And the night before he died, I think we were all delirious with the, the lack of sleep and, um, We'd normally take shifts and we, you know, this has to be done and that has to be done and you ring that person. And we just said, you know what, let's go down to him in the room and have a bottle of beer. And we went down to the room. It was a beautiful, warm summer's evening and we put some music on, his favourite music, and we drank a bottle of beer, all of us. And that was our way of saying goodbye. And I honestly feel that in that moment, it was his release. Everybody was happy. Everybody was together. You know, there were smiles in the room. The tears were sort of gone at that for for a period of time. Yeah. He relaxed, we relaxed. And then the next morning, very early in the morning, we were all with him. He he went. Um. So yeah, no laughing matter. But I also have a smile in my heart while I'm saying that. Of course. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. How do you manage with... Because this is something I kind of I'm trying to navigate from time to time. The, the 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 very notion of you have your own life and you have your own personal stuff going on, but at the end of the day, the mic is going to go live the next morning, and you're going to have to go on air and you're going to have to do your job regardless of what's going on. And you've been in this industry so long now. How do you? How have you coped with that? Um, I think it's the psychopath in me, maybe. <laughs> Okay. No, I, I, I'm quite good at that's that stuff. And this is the job. Are you? Yeah. And 
after my father's funeral, I remember coming back into work that Monday going, I don't know if I can do this. And it was the first time really I felt like that. I thought I was going to go to pieces on air and I was trying to come up with sort of strategies to be able to deal with it. But actually, once the programme started at 10 o'clock, I was grand. Okay. You know, I got through it. I In was a way, fine. it's a distraction. It's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes you'll deal with stories in your work that are really, really affecting and really difficult to deal with. And sometimes, and I've learned this over the years, you don't have to be a stone. Yeah. You can show your emotion. But what I always tell myself is, this isn't my grief or this isn't my um, difficulty. So there are times when you don't really have a right to be sad about something because it's the person you're talking to it belongs to them and it's your job just to facilitate, facilitate. It. but there are other times when it's right to reflect how the audience feels at home yeah so if something is deeply affecting I think there's no harm in showing that sometimes yeah and I, that's what I love about your show because you, you there is the balance of that there is a balance and I think yeah I, I think you have to be a human being yeah you know at the end of the day you can't be a machine but when it comes to stuff that's happening in your own life you have to just learn to leave that aside you know and as you say, it is a break from it, really. You know, yeah, getting exactly. in and doing your job is, I'm sure it's the same with everybody. Yeah. You get to leave those things behind. Yeah. Okay, Claire, the person that you always laugh with. Oh, my friend Helen. <laughs> my friend Helen. You know, I was telling you about Jersey. So myself and Helen went to college together and then we ended up living in Jersey together as well. And this is years ago now, but even still and we met the other week for a chat we just end up in the fits like it takes about 20 minutes to go through what's been happening and then we just end up being back being stupid being 20 again so when we were in Jersey we would go out we'd get all dressed up you know we thought we were absolutely fabulous I'd say you were fabulous (laughs) and we'd have these fantastic nights and then we'd end up getting a taxi home and we <laughs> there was one particular night I remember we got home and we were absolutely starving, you know, because you wouldn't eat when you were out. No, of course. Why not. would you do that? <laughs> so searching through the cupboards, nothing to eat, nothing to eat. We found a bag of potatoes. <laughs> you didn't eat them raw, Claire, no. don't you? No. <laughs> Boil the potatoes. <laughs> no, you didn't. Boil the potatoes and put loads of butter and salt on them. They're absolutely lovely. Delish. But nobody would understand that unless you were Irish. <laughs> They were probably Jersey potatoes. Anyway, so we did that, boiled them up. And then <laughs> it's about three o'clock in the morning. Put on an old VHS of the Dumb Belief. <laughs> oh my God, down. And we ate every single potato in that pot with butter and salt and watched Pat Short and John Kenny. And That's it's the best. Yeah. And we'd still do that. There'd be no problem. We'd get straight back into that. <laughs> that sounds like heaven. Oh, heaven. Absolute heaven. I'm going to do that after my next night out. Oh, great. I highly recommend it. <laughs> get the roosters it. out. Yeah, get the roosters out. Boil them up. You could parboil them before you go out so it's quicker. It takes a bit of time, you know. <laughs> but is there anything better than salt and butter on potatoes? Nothing. And can you imagine that after a night out? And the thing is, you cheat the hangover the next day. Because yeah, exactly. like you've dealt with it. You have the carbs in you. It. Yeah. My mom's favourite hangover snack is boiled potatoes, butter, salt. And do you know what she does? Pours minestrone soup over it. No. No. No, I don't need go, it. No, I'm not going. Okay, sorry, Claire. I'm sorry. Now. I thought I'd introduce something funky. Bit, no. Bit of cheese, maybe, or, you know, bit beans? of bacon or beans. beans Lovely. Beans. But minestrone. I'm not even okay. tempted to try that. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry I suggested it. <laughs> Each to their own. But get the Dumbelievables on DVD or wherever you'll find it now. Oh no, but I know it inside yeah. out, Claire. Oh, I do. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, right, Claire. A time where you had the last laugh. 
my career probably looks like, you know, it was very plain sailing, like 20 years of grand. <laughs> <laughs> but it hasn't really, well, it, ha- it has been pretty easy to progress because I've always taken my time and I've never really had ambition to do a job, sort of waited for things to come along. Yeah. But I think there might have been a school of thought um, where some people thought that I couldn't do what I'm doing now. Okay. Um, so I came from a lighter background once I left reporting and I presented some shows that maybe were lighter in nature. Mm-hmm. And a couple of things have been said to me over the years, like, you're not here because you're good, you're here because you're a woman, Um, which is fine. People can have that opinion. But when you're young and coming up through, people saying things like that to you can affect you, you know, and make you think about whether you're aiming too high or you're in the wrong place. And it is nice to look back now, you know, hopefully doing the job that I want to do and that I always had sort of aimed for mm-hmm. and say yeah actually I was right and you were wrong love it do you ever have moments because sometimes I actually I think I was only saying this to Donica and Carl the other day something happened something big I can't remember what it was but we often joke like that you know uh, you know sometimes we'll deal with silly things on the show and we'll be like ah oh, sure we're doing it because Morning Ireland just they wouldn't know how to tackle it you know we have all these jokes about how we have so much crack and mm-hmm. we don't have to deal with the heavier stuff. Do you ever have days where say a massive thing breaks and you go, that's exactly what I'm going to be dealing with tomorrow. How do I get my head around it? How do I know how I'm going to approach it? Sometimes. I mean, I think the the story for, for a lot of us working in this part of the business is Brexit. Like that's yeah. a really tough one. It's a really tough one to cover. It's a really tough one to listen to as well. You know? Yeah really tough it's technical and it's protracted and when it comes up when it's top of the agenda again you go oh I know this is really important yeah and we have to cover it but it's a really hard one for us and for our audiences you know because it, technically it's over there but actually it's, it really yeah affects us. it absolutely yeah. affects us and it's one of those duty ones that that you have to do um but I think as well <clears throat> I get frustrated with this definition of current affairs that it has to be about politics and news for me, current affairs is about everything that's happening in your life. Yeah. Including selling sunset. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's about everything that is relevant to you. Well, I was listening to you this morning with David Coleman and that's the prime example. Like the amount exactly. of people that that would help. And the amount of people who get in touch with us and I, want to ask David Coleman questions. I, swear, you know? I, I actually thought I'd say that the, the text line was hopping. Yeah. Like most of the questions I write them myself, they're about my children. <laughs> Not true, not true, not true. But you would be tempted, you know? I'd say so. Oh, you're so I'd tempted. say you're like, Dave, well, Dave, would you mind hanging back? I just yeah, want to have a quick yeah, chat. I know. And I was talking to, saying to him this morning, you know, I bet, you know, we all need a hotline to David Cohen. I actually, you know, tempted to say to him, would you mind if I just, every time there's an eruption in my house and I just text you and give you a bit of I'd advice? I'd say the amount of friends that do that to him. I know. <laughs> Can you imagine? I'd say he doesn't get a day off. I know, I know. But no, I, I hear what you're saying. It's it's the things that affect us every single day. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's, I, I hate the kind of snobby definition of current affairs, which is the Brexit and, you know, the new stuff. All of that's really important. But I think a more rounded version of current affairs is, is much healthier. Like for what we were doing on Clareburn Live, I think was a more rounded version of current affairs. And sometimes we did mad things and Twitter would blow up. This is not a current affairs item. They are. They are. The, all those things are happening in your life. Yeah, like, I exactly. don't know if you saw the one where we were, we were, uh, we had a, an airplane s- <laughs> simulator in and I was sitting there with these mannequins <laughs> trying to figure out how you would fly 
anywhere when COVID was on the plane. <laughs> I can't even tell the story for that so much. <laughs> it was hilarious, but those mannequins were terrifying. They were they had rubber hands. <laughs> they had rubber hands, and I know the guys in props and staging dressed them in a way that was hilarious. You know, they would put like really really weird stuff on them. But during rehearsals, I'd be shaking hands with those lads, like the <laughs> the rubber hands. And they were like marigolds with air in them. <laughs> you know, they really felt weird. I love that. So did, did, in a way, did the production team on Clareburn Live kind of troll the viewer at home? It's kind of like you're almost having the crack with it. Like, exactly. You're but looking for the tweets. Look, the thing was, we were on so late at night that we had to have something to keep people with us. And we really had had the crack with it. But I think it was informative as well. It was Absolutely great. it was. It was great. Like, do you miss it at all? Yeah, I do. Look, I miss the show and I miss the team and I, I miss the audience. Like, we had a great thing going on for seven years, but it was just not sustainable no. for me. And I've, I've talked about that before. Like I'm in work every morning at quarter past seven. Uh, I was getting home from that at one o'clock in the morning. It just, it, it's fine to do that occasionally, but to do it every single week. And, and on then, a Monday. And on Monday. And then you're working Sunday for the Monday. Because a lot of work goes into those course, programs yeah. and making sure that you're putting on the right thing. So... Yeah, it was a hard decision. Do I regret it? Absolutely not. I'll probably do some TV thing at some point next year. I don't know what that is yet, but that show at that time just wasn't working, you know, and I have to, it's different now. Like years ago, I could have done that, but I have three small people at home that I have to. And you're selling Sunset. I've said <laughs> you've new this new selling sunset that'll coming. Be, that'll be the news from this podcast. <laughs> Claire Byrne gave up the television so she could watch Selling Sunset and Selling the OC. And We're there might be another one coming. She might give up something else to watch another one. <laughs> okay, Claire, if laughter wasn't the best medicine, what would be for you? Oh, mammy dinner. A mammy dinner. Oh my god. Like you know, we were talking about what an ideal weekend involves. Yeah. I forgot to mention the going to leash bit. Do you I, love that? Yeah. I mean, yesterday I made a roast dinner for my children and went down in front of them and they said, yeah, the gravy's nice, but it's not like Nana's. <laughs> and I can't, I, I, I have to agree with them, Aww. you know, just the best, the best medicine on a Sunday is a mammy dinner, isn't it? They are. It's just the best. Phenomenal. What would she do now, chicken or beef or? Both. Oh, yeah. if you don't mind. She'll do both. She'll do both. And you'll go down, you'll get a choice. Oh, would you like a bit of both on the plate? Stop. Of course you would, wouldn't you? I like you the would. Dream, yeah. yeah. Everything, bit of everything. Yeah. And stuffing. Like she just makes magic stuffing and magic gravy and magic roast potatoes. And I can't. I try my best. And you're supposed to know how to do those things that your mother does. And I try. <laughs> um, but I can't. It's like when she gives you the recipe for the brown bread. Myself and my brother say this. She'll talk you through the recipe or she'll write it down. But she'll always leave something out. Oh, yeah, but sure wouldn't bother writing that down. That's just a handful. That's sure everyone knows that. Going, oh, Is she kind of doing it on purpose? Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> I, I am convinced that she doesn't want us to be able to make the stuff like she makes it. Because she wants you to need her. Yeah, she wants, yeah. They now, the, other, need it. the other thing I was thinking about when it comes to if laughter wasn't the best medicine, what would be? Paddle boarding. Oh, come <laughs> I just on. Just paddle boarding this summer on my holiday. <laughs> and we bought a paddle board in Lidl. In France. In Middle Isle. Fancy. Yeah. Middle Isle. <laughs> and we had such crack on it. And I thought you would need to be very, very strong or, yeah. you know, very capable Core strength. in water. Yeah. But actually, it was just really relaxing, you yeah. know. And we all went out, like, I went out with a child in the front, a child in the back, thinking, how dangerous is this? <laughs> but actually, it was lovely and it was a real escape, you know, because you're yeah. away from that madness of the beach, but you're still... And it's also just a nice little it's lovely. routine. Lovely. And would you be standing or on your knees? Like? Um, well, we tried a bit of both, but I found the standing was quite challenging. <laughs> quite so challenging. yeah, sitting down, sitting down on my ass. 
love that. Okay, Claire, one thing about Ireland that makes you laugh. Oh, I didn't know what to answer for this. I didn't know what to answer because I've lived away from Ireland and I came back because I sort of love everything about Ireland, you know. I love how we eat potatoes after a night out with salt. I love how we think our teachers should be like Pat Short in the Dumbledore's. Like I just, I, there's just a uniqueness here that um, you can't beat. You know, did I, you always, always, even when you lived abroad, did you know you would come back? I think so. Yeah. I Was think there so. ever? Did you ever think you might find love abroad or any of, or just settle somewhere well, abroad? Yeah, and I did, but I, I always knew I was coming back okay. you know and I, I came back to Ireland and then I went again I went over and lived in London for a while and I just found London media in particular just really aggressive you know they don't stab you in the back they stab you in your face stop is it is it <laughs> I just yeah I thought it was really tough yeah really? really tough and I just wasn't I don't know I um I wasn't built for that I like there's a gentleness about Ireland I mean it can be tough yeah of course it can be but I just don't think there's the aggression that I saw in London is here. Okay. Yeah. So I'm just giving you advice there on, you know. <laughs> gotcha. Got noted. Noted. Okay. Are you ready for your quick fire round, Claire? Oh, yeah. Well, I am, but I'm not because I'm really bad at this. Claire, right, you're, you're going on as if you're very stressed about these questions. No, I'm but terrible. Actually, I have to get perfectly my phone good out answers. My pain. <laughs> all, all of my answers will be based on selling sunset. <laughs> okay. The actor that always makes you laugh, Claire. Um... You know, Ardlo Hanlon. Excellent. And the reason I say that is because, and I think Tommy Tiernan has the same thing, they just have funny bones. Yeah. You know somebody who you just, you look at them. I met Tommy Tiernan at the autumn launch. You know that thing they do in RTE where yeah. everyone has to turn up and stand for photographs? It's, it's yeah. It's cringe. It's a little bit it's cringe. It's a little bit cringe. <laughs> and I remember looking at Tommy and I just laughed in his face. I, and I've, I don't know why I did. I think it was just a response to him having funny bones. Yeah. And we've had Ardlin talking about very serious things like Brexit and Northern Ireland. And I'm telling myself, don't, don't laugh. Don't laugh. He's not the priest. Don't laugh. <laughs> but he just has that thing about him. It's just an aura of... Do you know who else has funny bones? And you've met him a few times and we're actually a little bit afraid you're going you're gonna to poach him. Carl Mullen. Oh yeah, he has funny bones. <laughs> he has funny bones. He has, yeah. He's just funny. Yeah. You just look at Carl, and your kind of your smile just creeps in. He's getting on fantastically I, with the Formula One. I am trying to poach him, <laughs> and I have said to my team inside, "Can you can we think of more ways to use Carl Mullen? Can we just, just yeah? He's just a dote. Are you worried about that? A little bit. <laughs> Donica and I are like, oh, where are you? And there was one day he was actually on with you, and he hadn't told us that morning that he was going to be on, oh, really? and we were like. Well, if you don't mind, look who's on Radio 1. Love Donica it. just happened to hear him. Love so it. We're, we're a little bit scared. <laughs> uh, Claire, the actress that makes you laugh. Um, I'm a big fan of Bridesmaids. Love it. So Kirsten Wig, is yes. that her name? Yeah. Um, loved her in that film. The movie that makes you laugh out loud when you watch it. This is very twee, but Happy Gilmore. Do you know Happy Gilmore? Do I know it. Do you know it? That would be. That's actually probably mine. I thought that you wouldn't have seen that film. That oh God, you, you were so too much. young, or they had. Yeah, isn't it just the funniest? But the granny in the nursing home. I know, <laughs> but I don't think he's made anything as funny since. I I would fell off the rails a fair bit. I Abby, completely agree, Adam Sander. Yeah, but that's one of my favorite films. But Ben Stiller as the nursing home worker is a really <laughs> underrated performance as well. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, the comedian that makes you laugh out loud. Oh God. It's Difficult, isn't yeah, it's it? Hard to choose. When it comes to comedians, because I don't get out much. <laughs> the last big gig I went to was a benefit for Sean Cox, who had that yes. really sad accident at the, at the Liverpool football grounds. And there was an ensemble 
of comedians there. And Jason Byrne was the one who I laughed out loud at. And I've had terrible experiences with Jason Byrne. Why? Like, terrible. Because <clears throat> when I was a presenter on RNDM, he would come in and sit down in the chair and then not be able to stay sitting in the chair and he'd start moving all the bits on the set around. Like he was moving the plants, what moving the table. And you know when you're, and I wasn't very experienced then, like I was in my 20s. I was absolutely terrified of him. Terrified of him. Scared yeah. of him. Like now since then the tables have turned because he's been on the TV show Clareborn Live talking about serious things and you can tell that he's like out of his comfort zone <laughs> and you can't really start moving the tables on a serious current affairs programme so that's right when I, when I saw him as part of that group of, of comedians it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen it was about a really sad subject about his dad you know who has yes, since passed I, away I think I've seen that but stand up it was an absolute tonic yeah. yeah I think he's brilliant he's great um, and finally Clareborn your best or worst joke Oh gosh, I have to use one of my daddy's jokes and they're terrible. They're terrible, right? Go on. The first one isn't really a joke, but he put his two hands on the light switch and switch it on and off and say many hands made light work. Like that's it's oh, not yeah. even funny. No, it's not funny. It's it not is funny. It's a dad joke. It's great. And then for my entire, like I'm, you know, old now, but my entire life, he would tell me this joke again and again and again. And we had the same routine. Why didn't the skeleton go to the dance? I don't know. Why didn't the skeleton go to the dance? Because he'd nobody to go with. <laughs> we don't have to erupt oh, in that. It. It's a terrible joke, but it's a good one in our house. Dad jokes are dad, my favorite. Yeah. Claire Byrne, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy schedule to share with me the laughs of your life. I'll have to have a lie down after that. <laughs> 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 Thank you for listening to The Last of Your Life with Claire Byrne. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, don't forget to like, subscribe, rate and review. It really helps the show if you do. This podcast is produced by Chemistry Media and Collaborative Studios. And this season of The Last of Your Life is brought to you by FNF Fashion at Tesco.